Hello friends, I'm Amanda Barr. And I'm Rebecca Lou Brennan, and welcome to Dance Principles United, the podcast. Together, we are passionate about helping studio owners with the business of running their studio. Join us as we talk everything from marketing systems, studio culture, motherhood, life, and everything in between. This is the Dance Principles United podcast. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of the Dance Principles United podcast. You have both me and Amanda here today. Hello. Hi, friends. Hope you're doing so well and having an amazing week so far. Yes, amazing. We wanted to jump on today and chat about something that we see keep popping up um, not only in like the Tribe Facebook group and look, a lot of groups around the internet, to be honest, but also with our Studio Growth Club members as well. And it's all around hiring the right staff, in particular, um, making hires around your admin team and mm. building out your admin team in your studio. Yeah, for sure. It seems to be a question that comes up time and time again. Like, how do I know it's the right time? Can I afford this? Do I need a studio manager? Like, that's a big one. You know, um, what does my receptionist do? How do I find a receptionist or a studio manager? And where the hell are they hiding? Because I need a really good one. You know, I think that's a question that we hear from so many people. And we thought that we'd unpack that today and go through a couple of our tips, right? Yeah, absolutely. And sort of talk about even like Dance Sensations journey, maybe like Mm -hmm. how we went through where Amanda started from and, you know, when we finished, we had um, essentially two full-time admin staff as well as myself and Amanda, which were only solely in working in admin. We had uh, one or two other reception staff as well. So we'd built out a massive reception team, right? But we didn't just sort of wake up one day and go, oh, we need six or seven admin staff, including a few full-timers, and land there, right? It's something yeah. that slowly built out over time. And obviously, we needed to make sure we were lucky enough to have a studio that was large enough financially to support that large admin team as well. Mm. So thinking back, maybe, Amanda, like, take us back to where it all began. <laughs> um, sort of like when you first started the studio, obviously, like when did you first realise you needed that admin hire and then sort of build it out from there? Wow, that was a long time ago. Something that we did very much from the beginning, from the get-go, 25 years ago we're talking, um, like let's really rewind and take it back. I need like that rewind sound on the podcast. I'll put that in the post. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when we first started, uh, my mum and I started the studio together for a short period of time. And my mum has no dance background whatsoever, but she is an entrepreneur at heart. She's owned a lot of different businesses um, over her time, Um, you know, and she's worked in corporate. She's done all the things. And we had a receptionist on from the start. That was something that was a non-negotiable in my mum's eyes, was someone there to meet and greet the customers. You know, those days it was called a receptionist. I wouldn't usually call it that anymore. Um, but that was what we always had. You know, we actually bought a studio and that's what um, they had as well. So it, it was a natural flow on. Um, but that was a really big thing that my mum taught me back 25 years ago was how important those customer relations were. Yep. And yes, back in the day, they were taking payments. In cash. In cash and doing those kind of things as well, which obviously we don't need as much. But the purpose more so of that was the customer relationship and building, you know, building those really strong relationships with the parents because they're the client, not just the kids, right? Yeah, because what's going on outside the class is just as important as what's going on inside mm-hmm. the class. For sure. If 
obviously like we need the the kids to be having an amazing time in class which we know so many of our amazing listeners do but what's just as important if the parents um, aren't seeing value or aren't feeling valued um, out in that waiting room then the the chance of you being able to retain them as a client long term just gets that little bit harder right yeah for sure so you know actually back 25 years ago you know, it was mainly my job. We bought the studio and I was the front facing person most afternoons. Um, I was doing that more so than teaching. I was definitely teaching as well. But I was doing the reception most afternoons with my mum doing an afternoon or two as well. And, you know, because that's because we really valued it. To me, that is actually the mo- one of the most important positions in your studio. It also works in with my skill strengths. So that, you know, is yeah. different as well because I actually love doing that. Um, you know, I do love teaching. I'm a great teacher as well, but I actually love the admin side of business even more so. Um, so it always worked in with my skill set as well. Um, but you know, it was a really, really important thing from the get go. And if it's something you've never had in your studio, you know, it is hard. It's a hard leap to take because it's a lot of money, right? Yes. If you've never had a receptionist there and you've just always had, you know, the classes being taught and no one else on the desk or anything like that, it's a big jump. And sometimes it can be a, in in your mind, it can be a hard expense to justify Mm. because if I've got more kids in the class, then that means like you've got the money coming in. You can see 15 students in that class equals 150, $200, whatever it is. But you know that that receptionist, um, at least sort of sometimes in like a literal sense, doesn't add extra money to your class. But for the retention side of it, we know that it's so, so valuable because that receptionist, if they stop, let's say five kids a term leaving, yep. well, then that's you know, that adds up over time, right? And we know that those relationships that they build, sorry, end up increasing the retention so much um, and become so, so valuable, even though, like I said, that benefit may not be as tangible um, in your mind straight away. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think if it's something you haven't thought about before, you know, you don't have to start full, you know, no, full full time. Yeah. full time. You know, it's picking key times in your reception area. Um, Usually they're like 3.45 be, yeah. till 6.45-ish, 7 yeah, o'clock depending in my studios. Yeah, depending on how you run. On, or yeah. Saturday mornings if that's your busy time. Yeah. Whatever that is. But it's having someone there to build those relationships. You know, it gives you so many more um, abilities as well. Abilities to be able to sell merchandise, upsell classes, um, you know, sell other programs that you've got going on, like whether that's holiday workshops, um, you know, taking those extra classes. Oh, yeah, you should definitely do that workshop because that'll benefit them in this way. Oh, do you not know about our circus classes as well? They're fantastic. That's something you should be doing. These are all great conversations that someone on your front desk should really be having. Yeah, and that was, I mean, then sort of jumping to, how do you know when's the right time to bring on somebody to do the extra sort of back of house tasks as well mm. is something that sort of always flows on from those sorts of conversations and something that we found um, and look, learned the hard way, like a lot of things that we learn in business was that um, once we were looking to bring somebody on part time, we bought on a receptionist part time many, many years ago, was that we ended up expecting them to do too many of those sort of behind the scenes admin tasks while they're on front desk because you sort of, you sit there and you look at them and you're like, oh, well, well, I'm paying them and, you know, there's not that many people that come in and so I'm going to give them all these tasks to do and expect them to do all these tasks. Um, making sure, like, how did you sort of view that, bringing somebody on to do that sort of front desk task and not overloading them with too many extra tasks? 
Well, I think it's really important to know that there's actually two different skill sets involved, yep, right? Sure. So there's the skill set of the front desk person, the customer service person, the person who's that friendly, bubbly person as everyone walks in the door, the person that's like, oh, Susie, I love your bow. You look so gorgeous today. Are you? How is school? Are you so excited to do your ballet class today? And then there's the other skill set, the skill set for chasing overdue accounts, you know, keeping all your files, you know, together, making sure everyone's on top of their, um, you know, their admin work and, um, you know, whether that's through emails, through newsletters, through bills, you know, um, making sure all your teachers are posting on band, making sure the social media is great. There's two very different skill sets. One is definitely a more administrative, managerial kind of role for sure. Mm -hmm. And the first one's more of a customer service role. So I think it's really important that number one, we don't get them confused. Yep, for sure. And I know in our studio quite often for us too, like we have jobs that overlap. You know, one teacher might be a teacher who also does a bit of social media, but then also the receptionist has to help with the social media or has to also enter the active and creative kids vouchers or, you know, like there's a lot of over um, yeah, overlaps sure. of tasks, I guess. Um, but I think it's important to make sure that you're uh, defining those two kind of separate roles. And... Yes, you're probably not ready to have two different separate roles. I guess that's the big thing. If yep, you're just starting sure. out, don't think, oh my gosh, I need... A receptionist and a manager and a... Every, yeah. An admin manager or something, blah, blah. No, you don't to start with. You know, definitely that's a great aim to work towards. Doesn't mean you need it straight away. But what it might mean is if you're starting by putting on a customer service manager, um, a receptionist, a front desk person, whatever you want to call them, that's a great place to start. As we said, a couple of hours a week in those key points, that's a really great thing to start with. But don't overwhelm them yes. and don't over um, give them to over, over overwork them. Over task them. Over task them. I don't know what the right word is. But give them too many tasks that are more admin focused because they're not going to succeed at that. If they're a customer service person, that's what they're going to succeed at. They're going to succeed at making relationships, chatting to people, being friendly, being warm, you know, all of those things. That's going to be where like their headspace is. That's going to be their main task. And yes, they might be able to do a bit of social media for sure. Or perhaps when it's a bit quiet, they might do, you know, something else little, answer some emails or, um, you know, take some payments, whatever that is for sure. But don't over... um, confuse the tasks and all the roles and you know yes you might still be needing to do the accounts yourself because there is nothing worse and I guess this is my big big thing right there is nothing worse than having someone on your front desk that is so so busy with those admin tasks that they've got their head down in a computer typing frantically away I'm miming temp- typing yeah, frantically. Say, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't translate on the podcast, does it? Maybe um, we should be recording. And, you know, they're doing all of those things and, and like, you know, really getting like into their zone with their admin tasks, so much so that they're not saying hi to that student that comes in. Yeah. Which that they're annoys too the busy. absolute you-know-what out of me. When I walk in, because I'm, look, maybe I'm overcritical of other businesses, <laughs> but I can't remember where I walked into the other day and I did that exact the thing. The doctors, you messaged oh, me from the doctor's actually, I did, surgery. That's right, I messaged you. I walked into the doctor's surgery and there was, you know, three receptionists there and they were obviously the busiest people in the world. I probably wouldn't understand, but I had to stand there 
for over 20 seconds, which I know it doesn't sound like long, but when you're standing, next time you're standing somewhere, count to 20. It's a long time to stand there and be ignored when there's, and the receptionists were like less than a meter away from me through the plexiglass looking at me. It just like, it's really, really bad customer service. Again, it does nothing for your attention and it's Mm. just rude. Yeah, 100%. And I'm sure you've all been in a situation like that, right? Whether it's in a retail shop or whatever, you know, we've all been in a situation where we've been like, yeah, that person was super rude. They barely even looked at me or looked up from their desk or they were so busy hiding behind their computer is what I call it. Hiding behind the computer is a big thing. So, you know, um, I think it's really important to make sure that there's those two separate roles in the studio. Yes. And yes, you probably can't afford to start with them all at once. But what you should be thinking about is what do you love to do? Yep. And put someone on. What do you love not to do? And what do you love not to do? And put someone on that is the opposite to that. Someone that's going to help with your weaknesses. Because if you're really happy standing out the front and being the welcoming reception person, awesome. Get someone to work from home, in the back office during the day, you know, whatever, and help you with the admin and the accounts so that that takes that off your hands. Or Or, the other way. Yeah. One thing you like, you sometimes hear people say, I just wish there was like a clone of me. To, to be able to do it. And then you, and I sort of think to myself, well, actually, no, you don't. Because then all you're going to do is like double down on the strengths and also make that chasm of your weaknesses even wider, mm. right? That's why, like We Manda all have said, weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and things we don't like to do. Mm. So that's why you want, like Manda said, somebody that's able to do, that is really strong in those areas where you need that little bit of help. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, really think about what you need um, in your studio at the moment. So, you know, if you don't have a lot of admin staff or if you are thinking about upgrading your admin staff from what you have, what I would start by doing is make a huge, huge list, a list of every single task in admin wise that needs to happen week to week. Lists are great, right? Yep. So things doesn't have on- to be fancy. Just open no. a Google Sheet, write it out. Write on a piece of paper. doesn't matter. Nathan always says on a Google Sheet, I'm always, always a piece of paper because then I lose the piece of paper. But, you know, this is us. Um, and, you know, write out every single task that needs to be done during the week. You know, starting with meeting and greeting the customers because that's an important one. Don't over... You know, under under the sell. Uh, yeah, undervalue that. I guess that's an important thing. You know, it might be assisting with the teachers. You know, for me, um, our front desk people also assist with the teachers with taking kids to the toilet, for example, or if someone needs a band aid or whatever that is. Um, you know, so there's a whole heap of tasks you should be putting on that list. Things like accounts, emails, social media. Changing yep. the toilet rolls, yep. vacuuming, <laughs> doing the washing up. You know, there's so many things on that. Um, that was one that we sort of always like, I guess, um, not undervalued, but underappreciated how much time. And I think a lot of our, our team sometimes underappreciated um, how much time it took to clean and pack up at the end of our day. Yeah. For our studio, we were lucky enough to have a very large studio, massive waiting areas, things like that. The actual pack down and pack up at the end of the day for the receptionist took an hour. Oh, at least. Like, yeah. yeah. It was it was a long – because sometimes, you know, when people are sick and you've got to jump in as the business owner and do that stuff, you walk around the end of the night going, oh, this sucks. God, this has taken a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, they normally had to start at quarter to eight so that they could finish by nine. Like yeah. it was – yeah, yeah absolutely All those little crazy. things need to be written down. Yeah, so write all those things down. And then, you know, look at what you love to do the most. 
um, and what you absolutely hate doing, what you currently have staff that are filling. And then perhaps you can sit there and define some roles. And yes, you might define maybe two roles in there, maybe more than that, depending on the size of your studio. And yes, you probably can't go ahead and hire two people straight away, but start with one. Yep. Whichever one you choose, start with one and slowly build out your team yeah, as I you think, grow. I think that's the biggest the biggest thing we see people, um, I guess, worried about, making mistakes around sometimes, is that they think they've got to go from zero to 100 straight away. Mm. And it's just not feasible or doable, um, or can, nor can they afford it, to jump from nothing to you know a full-timer straight away. It's never going to happen. And, and nor, I think sometimes they expect to find the exact right person straight away that's going to grow with them. Realistically, that's probably not going to happen. You're going to identify that you need someone for eight hours a week and you'll find somebody that's great for that eight hours a week. You might get lucky and they're able to grow out with you, but as you grow and you start to understand the systems and the processes better yourself, then you're going to bring somebody else on as well. Mm. They might be the next person that really grows with you and turns into a full-timer or... Three years down the track, you might find somebody else. It's it's a it's an evolving process, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's not something that you're going to find the perfect fit and the perfect person, or hopefully you find a really great person. But it's you're not going to find your final final your solution, unicorn. your unicorn, <laughs> straight away, right? Yeah, it that's takes what, time. I was actually just chatting in one of my studio growth club one on ones just then um, about a book I read, Good to Great, by a guy called Jim Collins. Um, really great, like a really famous business book. It's a little bit outdated now, but so many of the lessons in it are still um, so valuable for businesses of all levels. And he talks about around hiring businesses that were in his great pile. And obviously there was businesses in his good one, but ones in the great pile, their hiring strategy was to, his analogy of their company was a bus. And the, the those that were great, what they did is they got the right people on the bus. That was the first thing. Yeah. They hired great people that fit in with their company that they got on with, Yeah, the people that you want to be around. That's always the most important thing we found in hires. Do I want to spend a lot of time with this person? Because in the workplace you are. Yeah. Then the next thing they looked at was they got the wrong people off the bus. Never a nice thing to do. Nobody likes confrontation and letting people go. And look, generally, we don't have to have that in our businesses too much. But if there are people that clash, that are underperformers, that just aren't, you know, that you don't want to be around as much, then you get them off the bus. And only then, when you've got the right people in your business, that's when you find them their seats, you put them. That's when you give them, you, yeah, you, you hire the right people and then build out the extra tasks around them. Ah, so actually build the role out around the people yes. more so. Which, and that helps you get to the destination. Is that the bus analogy? Absolutely. <laughs> and, the, and that's when we look back on it, that's what we did with our last couple of admin hires. Mm. We had ideas in our mind when we put the job ads out of we wanted them to do A, B, X, Y, and Z. And we got them in and we were going for a little bit. And, oh, my gosh, they're incredible at A and B and Y. X and Z, uh not so, but oh my gosh, this like these other four things over here, how much value can they bring to our business yeah. by doing these things fantastically? Okay, we'll just you know, reassign them to be able to do those things because that's going to help our business. For sure. So how do we know when we can afford these people? I think that's a big question that often gets asked, right? Yeah, for sure. And as with you, yeah, so much of what I say, I know, but it's, it's about knowing your numbers. Mm. We can't take on, we know that staff is our biggest expense in pretty much Every dance studio staff is the number one expense. So we've got to look at, you know, how much does that, even if you're bringing somebody on starting with 10 hours a week, mm. 
How much is that going to cost you over the year? Is there enough fat in your business to afford that to start with? Yeah. And like we always talk about, there is that little element too of sometimes there is a calculated risk around it. You know, there might be a tiny bit of fat, um, enough to say bring them on eight hours. Could you take a calculated risk and say, okay, I can I can easily afford eight. Do I take that little risk and bring them on 12? And it's okay to bring people on, and Beck's really passionate about this, we know, about setting your staff KPI, like key yeah. performance indicators. If they're going to help you grow your business, I guess, that's the big thing, right? Before we even set the KPIs, if they're taking that calculated risk, it's actually going to help them help you grow your business. For sure. But it's something that, we've, like I said, we've really got to be careful that we know our numbers because it is a mistake mm. that we do see studio owners make is – putting the cart before the horse type thing and bringing on that admin person because they feel like they need them and they see everybody else doing it, but they just can't afford it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's about um, you might have to knuckle down and look at your numbers and think, right, not quite now, but I know I'm close. And and set yourself a little goal. Is that a student number goal? If I can work a little bit harder for the next term, the next 10 weeks, and if if I can increase my student numbers by 15 students, then I know that I've got enough extra revenue yep. to cover that first admin hire. Yeah, I love that thinking about it um, in different ways, right? Like thinking about it in terms of how many extra kids do I need or how many extra class placements do I need? Or if I took that class back myself, would that allow me to afford to put that admin person on? Really thinking of the numbers like that. But then you started talking about KPIs. So tell me a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, so KPIs, like we said, key performance indicators, you know, you might put them on and say, um, hey, and be honest with people. Like That's what we always found with staff. We, we, the, the first sort of few years of the business, we were quite closely guarded and we see a lot of other business owners be quite closely guarded around things like numbers um, and especially growth metrics and numbers and things like that. But if you're honest with people and say, hey, I'm bringing you on, I'm really excited, like so excited to have you, you seem like the perfect fit. Just to be really honest with you, this is a bit of a stretch for me, um, but you seem like the perfect person and you're really excited to try and grow the business with me. But these are the the numbers I need us to hit. By the end of term, you know, by the end of term two, then I'm gonna need you to have got something in place to bring us in an extra ten students. Yeah, and I guess that depends on what their role is as well, right? Because yeah. we've been talking about the different types of admin roles. And yes. if that's a studio manager, for sure. Or an the, enrollment coordinator type person. An enrollment coordinator. Um, if you're just doing a receptionist, maybe that's not in their wheelhouse. No. But maybe it's, yes, if you're here and you can help me upsell more classes or if you can um, make sure that we upsell X amount of classes, that's our goal um, by the end of the term. Or, or I noticed that our, our uniform and merch has been struggling a bit this year. Um You've got this back, you know, the person might have a background in retail. So I know you're really great at retail. We've got all this stock here. If you can help us move X amount of uh, our uniforms that are sitting here. Yeah, something like that. And look, they hopefully will succeed. They might not. You need to make sure you can afford it either way in reality. But sometimes that person will get you to the next level, right? And I think that's really the big thing. So it's finding that you can afford it or close to afford it, but also knowing when it's time to take the plunge. It's a happy balance, right? There's no perfect number. Yeah, There's no rhyme or reason. There's no perfect formula for it. Um, Some of it is gut feel. um, But like we said, I always talk about calculated risks. Mm. The risks we've ever taken in our business is where we've run the numbers, we've looked really closely and then 
taken that little leap. Yeah, for sure. And we always talk about worst case scenario as well. <laughs> like that's a big thing that we talk about with our calculated risks. Okay, worst case scenario, if, you know, they don't, if we can't, you know, upsell those X amount of classes or whatever, what do I have to do to be able to afford to keep paying this person's wage? What's your worst case scenario? You know, is it um, you drop back your wage a little bit? Can you do that? Is that okay or is that not okay? I don't know. That's something you need to decide. Is it that you have to cut your subscription to whatever, you know, Netflix for them? I don't know. Not Probably not Netflix. It's probably not enough money. But, you know, what is your worst case scenario and yep. are you willing to live with that? Yeah. Or are you willing to let them go? Mm. as well like if they don't are you willing to hold them account to those kpis that you set them and if they don't meet them with kindness obviously and with empathy then let that person go sometimes is it as well and sometimes that's the worst case scenario mm. and that's okay as well you're a business you know, you're allowed to hire people and you're also allowed to fire people we don't like doing it nobody likes doing it i don't think anybody gets into owning a dance studio to fire people no. but <laughs> sometimes it's just what happens in business yeah for sure so Hopefully we've kind of covered a few things about when it's the right time. But if you have decided it is the right time, how do we find this magical unicorn? Because I know that's a big question that's asked all the time. How do we find this perfect person? Yeah, and look, it's hard. What we found was the most success looking for any position, whether it's teaching or admin, um, we learned that you have to do it properly. Mm. You can't just sort of put a random post out there or – like just type a little Word doc out. Um, or a little pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, and expect to get high-quality candidates. Yeah. We started going all in and started like making nicely designed Canva graphics. We told like – and within that we told everybody about in language that sounded like us as well mm. um, because if they're going to work for us, we want them to, to share our studio values. Yes. And like I said, to be able to get along with them. So the, the job ad was well-designed, it was on-brand. Quite, quite intense as well, our job yeah. ads, for sure. Like we've had, um, you know, uh, our last hire in the studio was um, a new ballet um, teacher, an RAD ballet teacher, um, and probably the um, job ad for hers was probably what, like four A4 pages, I would think, three yep. or four A4 pages. Yep. Now people are like, wow, that's a lot for a ballet teacher ad. No, it's not because it talked about – our studios, um, what we did, our, um, values. our values, a little bit about us, what we're looking for in the right person, the expectations that we have, like a really big document. And if people can't be bothered to read that document, well, they weren't the right person for me. No. And then, that was what I yeah, needed. 100%. And then we put in our own version of screening questions, which mm. was just a Google form. But again, just putting in that little barrier, because what we found – Previous times, especially when you put admin jobs out. Yes, on Seek and things like yeah, that as well. Yeah. It gets so much crap, basically, yeah. because there's people out there that are just applying for jobs randomly. Um, but if you put a little barrier to entry, you only get high-quality applicants that have gone through and read that ad that you've posted. They've read about your values and everything. And then, like I said, it's not a super in-depth questionnaire, but it's just, you know, maybe it was eight to ten, eight to 10 questions on a Google form made them stop and think and tell you a bit about them and reflect back a bit of what we had on that other those other four pages to mm. see whether they'd really sort of paid attention. Yeah, for sure. I think that's important. But also, like, where do you advertise yeah, it? You where know, do you we, distribute it? We, we, we talked about Seek and, like, you know, websites like that, for sure, for an admin job, give it a go. They but are expensive. They're expensive. Um, 
But, you know, but also don't limit yourself. If you're looking for an admin person, you know, don't expect that they um, always have a dance background because they don't need it. They definitely do not need it. You know, we can teach the um, language the um, that is needed to talk about, you know, we can explain what a tap class is. I can explain it to a brand new parent. I can also explain it to a new admin person who can then explain it. They don't need to have a dance background. You know, maybe they have a little bit of a dance background. That's nice, but it's not necessary. No, and we found that putting it on our own personal socials and on our studio socials and asking our current staff to share that as well is the most effective way, especially around those admin hires. Because with the admin hires, especially if you're starting out at 10 to 12 hours, to be honest, you're probably, or a lot of the people that are going to apply might not have been looking, in inverted commas, I don't know I'm doing the air quotes here, (laughs) but they might not have been essentially looking for work. There might have been people that are sort of maybe... Stay-at-home mums. Yeah, coming back into the workforce, things like that, that weren't actively looking, but they see this post and go, oh... Yeah, I'm probably ready to get back into 10 to yes. 12 hours. They weren't searching on Seek, for example. No. And I think that's so important, like putting it out to the people you know and people that you like because they're going to know other people that you're going to like. And, you know, that's how it go- That's how it works. So don't be afraid to put it on your studio socials because a parent might need know a friend. If you have strong rules, I know I've spoken to other people, they're like, I would never put it on my studio socials because I don't want a parent to apply. Yeah, that's fine. No problems. Put somewhere on the application further down that this isn't for current clients. That's not a problem if that's your choice to do that. Um, but doesn't mean they don't know someone else. For sure. I think that's important. The community pages, your personal socials. Tell the barista at your local coffee shop. Tell your hairdresser that you're looking because all of these people might know people. And the best way to hire someone is, you know, to chat to people and get to know, tell people that you like, tell the really good waitress at the cafe that served you and gave a really amazing customer service job. Oh my God, you'd be amazing working for me. Are you looking for another job? Do you have a friend that's looking for a job? Tell people. That's the biggest way to get it out there. Yep, for sure, for sure. Hopefully that helps you um, with a couple of ideas around, you know, how to get that perfect admin person and if it's the right time. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dance Principles United podcast today. We cannot wait to be back in your ears next Wednesday. Thanks, Dan, for joining me. Oh, pleasure. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Great to chat.